Hi, I'm Stacey Harmon. I'm a writer for Cobra Kai, and this is the Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I am Brianna. And we are back with another live stream interview with Cobra Kai writer Stacey Harmon. How are you doing, Stacey? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, congratulations on the upcoming baby. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very soon here. Look at that. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you're good for the next... Happen during this interview so uh, i say you're good for the next 90 minutes or so right we're safe yeah there's no contractions yet we're good okay all right cool so in inside baseball here for you know maybe that um for, for our listeners or viewers and on on youtube live here um for those that don't know my wife and i are also expecting um i i have a funny story because we have uh, a daughter that is almost 20 months and um i remember we were recording an episode i think we had a couple guests on and we were doing like oh we're talking about season one cobra kai with some newbie fans you know and it, it was kind of nice to hear like a fresh perspective on on season one and so and uh after that recording i said yeah you know we're, we're due any moment now x y and z and i got off the call we were done with the podcast two hours later we had the baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I hope that that doesn't happen with you here, where after well, the live interview, I, I wouldn't hate that. That that if this can make the baby come, yeah. Then, oh, um, you're at you're at that you're at the get this thing out of me phase of pregnancy, huh? I'm there. Yeah, I, I got there about a week ago. I I I can only imagine, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, let, let's get right into this. Let's learn a little bit uh, about you. Um, uh, I guess first question is, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town in northern Michigan, uh, Traverse City, which is a beautiful place to grow up, but freezing cold. So oh, when bet. the time came, I scooted out to Los Angeles for college. Did you always want to be a writer or when did that come in? No, I wanted to be a country music singer. Okay. Um, that's not a joke. That's legit. Um, and I, so I went to, I applied to music schools and uh, USC was one of them. And I ended up uh, choosing the, you know, the sunshine over all the other options I had and really thought that going to school and becoming a, a country music singer was going to be, like, a, like, oh, that'll be, that's my path. That'll be super easy. I never once thought screenwriter was a viable option. So I, I, I lucked into screenwriting in a way, well, in a big way. Um, I graduated from college, still thought I was going to be a singer. And uh, I, you know, broke as many graduates are these days. Um I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have to work in order to get myself out to Nashville at some point. That'll be, that's the new plan. Right. 
And so I was working these odd jobs. I was a nanny and I was a hostess. And um, all the while I was living with uh, some other girls and we, you know, would kind of commiserate over, oh my God, like this is so much harder than than we ever could have imagined, um, you know, trying to find your way in the world right out of college. And we thought we should write a, uh, we should write a book. We should write a how to survive post-college life survival, you know, companion for uh, the, the college graduate. And then we were like, oh, it's going to take so long to write a book. So let's write a TV show. <laughs> and we wrote a TV pilot and just, we just pimped it out to whoever would read it. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, and it got into the hands of an agent at UTA and he saw something in it and he called us in and, and rest was history. We, within weeks had shopped this TV pilot around town and sold it. And it does not ever happen like that for anyone. I like, I tell that story to other screenwriters and they, ugh, they hate, and they hate me for it. <laughs> I think uh, John and Hayden had a similar story. They, they had a very lucky, lucky break too. So uh, you know, I won't say it never happens, but every once in a while. Um, anyway, so yeah, we sold this show and it just opened all the doors. And all of a sudden I thought, oh my God, like, yeah, country music singer sounds amazing, but I never thought screenwriter. And I love my job and I like wouldn't change a thing. I, well, I would, I would be, I would be a country music singer and a screenwriter, but <laughs> One had to take a backseat. So it's never too late to learn how to sing. I I do. It's it happens in the shower, in the car. My kid, I have a ten year old or nine year old. She ages herself up, and <laughs> she's like, "You sound like the radio, mom." And I'm like, "Thank you. That's enough for me. That's I, that'll that'll get Aww. me." Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the tweet uh, from Carrie Underwood? Sorry, Brianna. I, I I had to throw that in. The Carrie Underwood tweeted out. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay. I caught all the crap for spelling Cobra right, with a K. All, I mean, she, yeah. she's clearly a fan of Cobra Kai Companion with a K, so she had to spell Cobra Kai with a K. Yeah, she, Ab- absolutely. That was a cool, that was a cool one for sure. Yeah, uh, you have a couple of um, acting credits on your IMDb on your IMDb too. I from do, quite so. a way back. Yeah. So in that time of, what do I do? How do I? transition from college to country music singer I uh you know took a shot at some acting it was very humbling um I oh gosh I it seemed like every audition I went on was for like oh, how how vulgar can we get with our language oh, here you're you can say whatever you want <laughs> what yeah go for every it every audition was like slutty sorority girl slutty cheerleader slutty European backpacker. So there's supposed to be a trend. And I thought, okay, this is not, this isn't what I planned. So I, um, I, I veered away from that pretty quickly. Now, one of your earlier projects was, uh, the Goldbergs. Uh, can you talk about landing that? And, um, I believe you were a staff writer for most of season one as well. Yep. So, uh, I started on, that was my first TV gig was, um, Goldberg's for season one and two. And 
ironically, it's so funny. I have been, I, I've been in this like eighties, uh, hole for a while. Goldberg ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> karate kid. Um, I even, I wrote the Smurfs movie as well. The most recent one to come out. So I was like, I've been like living my best eighties life. Um, the Goldbergs was an amazing experience. I learned essentially how a show comes together um, beyond just writing, you know, a pilot episode of something. And, and uh, it was just really cool. I met, made a lot of amazing friends on that. Um, still my friends today. And it, yeah, it got me started in the TV world. And um, yeah. uh, one question that, that I have, um, one of the people that I follow on Twitter is Amy Berg. And she talks, uh, she's a showrunner, and she has uh, talked a lot in the last few years about the um, experience of being a woman in a writer's room. And in her particular instance, being the woman in charge of the writer's room, because so few are. Um, what is your experience from, you know, that perspective with, with having been a woman in a writer's room? Well, you are you are always, you know there's not many, you're always, you know, there's one or two. Um, if you're loud enough, you can get heard. You know, I, yep. I think that comes in handy. I, I'm, I'm actually like a, it's so weird. I'm a shy person out in the world, but you put me in a writer's room and they cannot shut me up. And, uh, I, I think even on the Goldbergs, you know, season one as a staff writer, I kind of went in and I didn't know what to expect. And, um, I, it was the first few days and I realized I was talking a lot and there's quite a few, you know, big wig writers in that room at that time. And I thought, Oh, I wonder if I should be talking this much. Like if I should have all these opinions. And, uh, I called my agent. I was like, just checking, like, how much would you say I should be like, you know, tossing out opinions and, talking in the room and he was like I would kind of just keep quiet <laughs> this first year. Uh, you, wow. want, you want them to bring you back next year um and so I was like oh okay uh too late and I just ran with it and you know I'm sure there's some people out there that are like god shut that lady up but you know what can you do I don't think it's necessarily of of woman versus man thing when it comes to that it's more like a newbie versus uh the people who have been there time for a long time but kind of like paying your dues yeah you gotta pay your dues you know bit. like michael I, you know being promoted by season two yep yeah, he, he uh he paid his dues <laughs> now how, how did you um get on cobra kai uh was it just sometime after the Goldbergs or were you still kind of looking around at other things in the meantime? Yeah, no, I, I, so I left the Goldbergs after season two, um, to, I've always kind of had one foot in features and one foot in television. And so I left and, and I did the Smurf movie, mm -hmm. Smurf, Smurf movie. And, um, then by the time I finished that up, it had been like a year and a half and I was like, oh, I'd like to probably get back into television now, you know, features is a whole other ball game. Cause you're alone the whole time, essentially. Um, 
So it's nice to every once in a while be back in a TV writer's room where you're surrounded by people and there's, you know, laughter and, you know, you talk to more than your Starbucks barista in one day. Uh, so I, I, I said, okay, to my agents, time to get back into the TV world. And um, they set me up with a few meetings and it was, it was honestly going to be, I won't say what show, but a, it was a major network adult cartoon or this new Karate Kid inspired show for YouTube. And, uh, and I chose well. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> um, yeah, we had no idea what this would become. It's been very, it's been a cool ride for sure. Oh, sure. And then it was actually mostly it was all because Josh Heald wrote Hot Tub Time Machine. And I was that was that was the clincher for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've had him on to talk about just that movie uh, yeah. by himself, too. So um, now, now I, want to, I want to watch that again. So, I was starstruck by Josh Heald. Yeah. That's what me too. Um, this untitled Puff Daddy project that's that's on here, is that is that with him, about him? Is there anything you can say? Yeah, that should be called the Untitled Nightmare Project. Um No, it was a, a uh pilot that um another writer, director Jeremy Garlick, um who has the American High franchise going now? Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had a he had some sort of weird relationship from the past with Puffy and Puffy's then assistant way back when um, this girl Sarah, who's just a riot. And he was like, I think we should do a show about not about Puffy, but about his assistant Sarah. Hmm. So. Uh, we sat down with her and the stories she had to tell were just mind blowing. Like I, stuff I feel like, I don't know how we ever would have put it on t- television because it's just, you, you can't get, you can't do that stuff. Um, <laughs> but Puffy was 100% behind it. And, you know, we would go to his house and pitch him the show and, and work on the work on the pilot with him, and um, and we had a blast doing it. And then uh, it just never saw the light of day. It was at ABC, I, I, I think, is where we ended. Um, and it just something. It, it's that's the way it works. Some things are amazing, and they fall apart. And just there's nothing you can do about it. And, it probably but, would have been counter to their whole family friendly image, maybe that they're trying to cultivate. Yeah. They really were trying to make the Puff Daddy show a very family friendly version. And I, and that could, that was probably our fault for, you know, making the deal with ABC as opposed to waiting it out and seeing if we could find a, you know, a Netflix mm-hmm. home. Right. Style home. Um, but, you know, all's well that ends well. Such as Puffy's- life, but. He's doing just fine. Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure, he's, yeah, he's okay. I, I follow him on Instagram, so sometimes I tune into his live, you know, uh, live videos, and his sons are like dancing in the background and stuff. So, quite a hoot. So much thing in that house. Yeah. Now, um, you actually have a, a bunch of different titles over at Cobra Kai. Um, you know, producer and executive 
uh, writer, editor. And I, 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 these are words to me. Can, can yeah. you kind of talk about some of the responsibilities of, of those titles? Totally. Um, I mean, I start with, so you, you know, you start at a certain level and you work your way up each year. Uh, so I started there as, I believe, an executive story editor, which is, you know, a few levels above staff writer, which is where, like, you know, where you start base. Um, and, you know, every season you kind of prove yourself a little bit more and the responsibilities become greater and, you know, your voice becomes a little more respected in the room. And then times where, you know, I want to say, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, I mean, there's a hierarchy and it's hard to kind of fall in line sometimes in your place. Um, as I said, I'm pretty outspoken and, uh, I don't always, I don't always, uh, adhere to the rules, I guess we can say. Well, sometimes that can work to your advantage, right? You catch the attention of the right person at the right time because you're not sitting in the corner with your mouth shut. That's, that's, yeah, that's the plan, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's why we step out of line. <laughs> yes. Um, so what about... Speaking of writing for, you know, all these famous people, what about writing for Tyra Banks? What was that like? Another really fun one. Um, she is extremely smart, like smartest man in the room when you're when she's around. Um, but she has, you know, like myself, a lot of opinions. And uh, so we, you know, were we collaborated really well together. And then sometimes we would butt heads and. You know, I'd come home crying and be like, oh, I can't anymore. I can't do it anymore. But for the most part, so lovely. Um, really just such a strong business minded woman, um, which is always inspiring to work with and see uh, in the entertainment industry. So uh, she's fun. I've always liked her since Fresh Prince. So but I, I think outside <laughs> of that, I don't know if I've watched many of uh, uh her uh, her other projects um but i've watched next top model yeah a few here and there when it first came out um um and her show i used to i used to watch her show her talk show oh right she did do that oh, too oh yeah that was that was for a hot minute but that was it was good right yeah she was yeah. funny yeah she i thought she was hilarious she's funny cuz she she has no filter so she'll which is my like favorite type of of person yeah. yeah, say it like it's whatever she wants. I think that was also like the there was a, um, all all that backlash for America's uh, Next Top Model too. That contestants were coming out with like all these horror stories too. So we'll we'll stray away from all of that. Um, well, let's let's go back to Cobra Kai. Um, you you wrote the teleplay for All Valley uh, episode one hundred seven. Okay, so I remember our initial review of season one. Uh, I made the comment that, you know, the, the, the first six episodes was, was kind of setting up the story in the world of Cobra Kai. And uh, episode seven is when we started seeing um, a lot of parallels to the Karate Kid movie. Uh, you know, obviously we get the, the golf and stuff and, and all that. But I, I have like a lot of notes just because I'm just, I'm very curious about um, some of the, 
lines and decisions into incorporating certain things into this specific episode. Uh, something that we learned from speaking with like Joe, Luan, and, and Michael, that the big three, they, you know, pick specific writers to write the teleplay of specific episodes. So right. your episode opens up in the Cobra Kai dojo. And Sensei Lawrence is just finding out that he has a bunch of flinchers. Where did that come from? Uh, I, I think that was my brainchild, if I remember correctly. Uh, we're, you know, it's, we're always trying to come up with new inventive ways he trains these kids, uh, you know, cement trucks to flinching. <laughs> so it's, and it, it'd be, we had like this huge list going on for a while on the wall in the writer's room. And we would kind of like, at one point there was literally, uh, he sends them through, one of those like automated car washes. Right. And they have to like battle the car. I mean, wow. we've been, we've racked our brains for ways they can uh, train in these uh, different ways. And I believe I was just like, that was like probably, you know, if I was to join uh, a Cobra Kai dojo, I would like, I wouldn't even know how to take a punch. I wouldn't know, like, that would be the scariest part. I would like, set aside battling a car wash, I, I wouldn't know, I would flinch. And so we set up a training sequence where everyone's going to get punched in the face today. And you're going <laughs> to, if, if you make it through this, uh, you stick around. Uh, you probably have what it takes. So uh, we had a lot of fun. The flinching seems so, so much fun. That was one of my favorites. And following up, I mean, directly on that scene, um, I know that for the Johnny fans, for just about everyone, actually, a very big line, one of his funniest is when Miguel is trying to explain how wonderful Sam is. And Johnny just keeps coming back to, is she hot? Is she hot? (laughs) Um, Was that one your brainchild as well? Because that is so perfectly Johnny. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to, I won't sit here and take credit for everything, but yes, again, that was uh, my brainchild. And um, I remember handing that script in and I was very nervous. I handed it in on like a Friday uh, and expecting I wouldn't hear anything from them until Monday about it. Um, You know, maybe something over the weekend if I really uh, impressed them. So I handed it on a Friday afternoon and Hayden or Josh called me by like 6 PM. I think, and I think Josh called and he said, I'm sitting here with Hayden and Hayden is laughing hysterically, and that was one of the one of the parts uh, that they uh, liked best. So I knew I I was in at that point. It's like okay, it you was- scored a win with the boy humor. Exactly. Yeah, um, that that's one of my favorite moments in the entire first season uh, when when um, Cobra Kai came to Netflix just about a month ago at this point. Uh, I was doing a rewatch, like a re-binge of all of that. And I actually, like, I was laughing my ass, like, out loud that I rewound the scene and I filmed it with my phone. And you can actually hear me chuckle, like, you know, behind the camera at the line. And I was just, I was just tweeting it out, just like, hey, this is, like, one of my favorite moments. So it really sticks out to me. It really, that really is Johnny, right? Like Brianna said, he's, he's all about the babes. Right. That's that's yep. going to be where his mind goes to first. And it reminds me very much of episode 102, where he gets to call 
And he's like, oh, Molly, is that some girl he hooked up? Uh, he's hooking up with, or you know, he's kind of in line with that. Like that's it's it's not like what did Robbie do? Oh, Molly, is that a girl he hooked up with? In this in this sense, it's like I'm not so concerned that you're talking about a girl, but is she hot? That's that's my concern. Yeah, right. And she's hot, and all those other things. All those right, other all things. those other things. Fast <laughs> tax. There's one thing that matters, right? Yeah. Yes. All those other things. Yeah, I, I I I had so much fun writing that episode. I just rewatched it recently to get ready for this interview, and um, I still get a kick out of myself. So yeah, that, um, that's amazing. as a woman, I'm going to throw in real quick before we move past it. As a woman, and I don't want to get too political. Thank you for the consent thing because that was freaking awesome. <laughs> that might not have been my brainchild. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'll say you're welcome, but uh, that might have been. I'm very broy. Like I'm, I, I'm like more Johnny Lawrence than I am. Just female. one of the guys. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm glad. I'm really glad that made that in too. I think uh, we, you know, there was no other way. We had to do that. Yeah, and it's important for Johnny to be the one to say it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, episode seven, at this point of season one, you got to see, you know, where he's starting to kind of change. And this is a great episode of uh, a lot of examples. Um, I'd like to touch on, so my notes are in chronological order by episode of episode seven, Trey and Cruz. So they talk about this bitch-ass kid from Ventura. Now, um was there any idea to uh, kind of insert that the, uh, other than to just tell the viewers like, hey, these guys, they have roughed up somebody before. So like this is kind of tense for Robbie to really make like a wise decision. Yeah, it, it was meant to increase the te- increase the tension for Robbie, for sure, to, to know that they possibly have hurt someone very badly who didn't, you know, fall in line with them uh, was important. Even though, you know, Robbie seems pretty tough, I feel like, in that episode. Like, he holds his own with them, mm-hmm. uh, but he was kind of, like, you know, third in line of their little gang. So uh, it was important that he was scared enough of them. Uh, do you know, kind of, um, because Jeff said he wasn't even sure that he really knew what Cruz's age is. Like, what's the age gap between okay. those two and Robbie? I'm not sure what any. I'm not sure any of us know. Um, <laughs> we, we could actually make it up right here. Yeah, yeah. Let's put them like early twenties. Okay. How old? How old is Jeff? Twenty eight. I don't think Jeff has revealed that. I know he's younger than me by a few years. Yeah, I'm thinking he's upper twenties. I did know coming on here, you who would know way more than I did about all these characters. <laughs> well, we've spoken to all of them. Um, yeah. But anyway, like, you know, you, you did promote this episode and say that we're going to talk all about season 19. So I'm, I'm here for that for sure. Uh, right. Uh, and I guess we could also reveal that Tori's dad is actually Robert Mark Kamen, because that's true also. That's absolutely true. Yes. Tori with a Y was inspired by Robert Mark. Yeah. So, yeah. Last name Nichols. Correct. Yes. 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 The confirmation. <laughs> I mean, we can always change it. We could. There, there's no rules. We can do whatever we want. I know. It, uh, no, 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 no. It's been tweeted. It's come from, it came from the mouth of God twice. Yeah. It, that's her name now. That's just it. It's her name. People are yes. still fighting with everybody, including the big three. And they're just like, well, well, that's just her name. But like, it could still be. Like her mom could still be Schwarber. Like, okay. 
<laughs> I, I think so highly of that one that I just knocked my own microphone into my lap. Clearly, yeah. Yes. Um, I guess I skipped over the montages in the very beginning. When there's montages like that, is that something like a, a collective effort, or is, was that were you in charge of writing some some of those scenes? No, whenever I mean every episode is truly a, a collaborative effort. We sit and we, um, you know, we break the story out all together, and then we get even more detailed into an outline all together. So it's, it really doesn't become you know a writer's own until you take it and write this the actual script. So everything you see is you know, aside from specific dialogue, belongs to the room as a whole. And so that that uh, opening montage where Robbie is experiencing the Miyagi training uh, at the LaRusso Auto Lot uh, was definitely a, a full collaboration amongst the room. And, you know, again, a bunch of uh, nerdy writers sitting there <laughs> trying to figure out what kind of training he can do at the uh car lot to that would resemble Miyagi's training from years ago. And, right. Uh, you know, with the waxing of the cars is, was the easy one. Then it, then it was like <laughs> washing windows. What about the, the stapler? What is the stapler? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, the stapler was, ended up being just like a joke we added on. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> Okay, because we've all been like, is that the downward heel block that he? What what is this? <laughs> push, push, yeah, right. <laughs> like, push the steel toe. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of that really, you know, we can envision it as writers, but a lot of it really, like Daniel brought that to life because I was like, how is he going to make pushing a broom or you know washing windows or a stapler? Uh, uh, resemble any this is going to look so ridiculous and then uh Ralph Macchio brings it to life by with his acting so yeah too um one of my favorite lines of the entire entire show is god I love this part yeah. so <laughs> if that was your line thank you I will um, take it <laughs> because in that moment Daniel is the audience yeah because we all know what's about to happen about so to we happen. all love this part yeah I, I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't filmed um, in the way that, that, you know, when we get Daniel's big review reveal as well in the first Karate Kid movie. So they just get right into it. And I, I really like that sequence. All, it was all so much fun. It really was to uh, to kind of get to mimic the Karate Kid movie in that way. Oh, yeah. Again, we only have. Thing, only thing I would have changed is Robbie's hair. From like the the like like the entire first season, season one hair. Yeah. Uh, oh well, it's so cute though. <laughs> it's it very nineties. We needed to change it because it was so cute. Yeah, he's he's really adorable. Um, it is very nineties skaters boy. It is, yeah. and like I I just I just it's really hard to ignore the comparisons between like Ryder Strong and um. Jonathan Brandis to Tanner Buchanan. I, I I just wish that people can look at Robbie and be like, that's Tanner Buchanan. And I'd be like, that's the guy that looks like the dude from Boy Meets World, you know? And we see yeah. all the memes and stuff too. So I, I just, I wish that they would just kind of notice the actor a little bit more and not compare him to others. It's really uncanny how much they look alike, but. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Ryder Strong's his a- dad. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have to ask, uh, I didn't pick up on it right away because I actually don't watch this show, but who is the office fan? Is that you or was that the costume designer? Frank Helmer. Um, I mean, I am an office fan. What did we, what did we do? Oh, uh, Johnny's, Johnny's outfit. Johnny's, Johnny's dressed uh, like, looks white. like Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> Dressed exactly like him. Yellow shirt, pattern tie, brown jet, whole thing. Yeah, all, that's all costumes. That's amazing. That's a really, it's a good reference. Looks like The Office. You're right. Yeah. The brief yeah, I, was a, was a. An Easter egg. That. Yeah. The empty briefcase that he found by the dumpster. Right. From, that, that's the reference to Credit Kid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about the Miguel giving him advice. Um, can you talk about the, the the moment the moment where Johnny finds out that Cobra Kai has been banned, and Miguel's like, "Well, what are you going to do about it?" He's like, "Well, I'm going to go down there and beat their asses." Like, uh, yeah. just just that dialogue. Yeah. Uh, well, we we knew that that would be his initial reaction, right? Right. That just wanted, you know, this will solve everything. This of fury. So, uh, but we also knew that. Miguel is smarter than that. Miguel knows better. And in, you know, the, in 2018, there's going to be better ways just to uh, solve your issues. So uh, it's fun to watch their relationship because Miguel really gets to be the adult a lot of the time. Yeah. And that's one of the specific moments where Miguel is, you know, <laughs> thank God for Miguel. Right. He's kept Johnny out of a lot of trouble. Yeah, he's the child. Johnny is the child that should not be left unsupervised. Exactly. I mean, there might have been another Applebee's incident if it hadn't been for Miguel. Possibly, we <laughs> we don't know that. Are you dying to know what happened to Applebee's? Yes, actually. Yes. Do you have insight <laughs> that you can say? Okay. We'll find out. You were just day. asking. You were just asking. You weren't asking to tell us. You were just just wondering. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's one that Herwitz has been refusing to answer for the last two years. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. Well, I mean, uh, according to Hawk, you know, he's seen the rap sheet uh, along with his parents. So, you know, they know. So perhaps we can get a hold of the uh, the in-universe Moskowitz and not the live, the, the real life one. Hawk might know. You're right. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I guess uh, I kind of want to stay with um, Miguel and... and um, and Johnny, just because, yeah. like, it, it, in this sequence, we're, we're getting Miguel and Johnny, and then, obviously, Johnny goes to um, in front of the board, but we also got the golf and stuff going on. So maybe we'll talk about the golf and stuff um, after this point. But um, so Johnny goes to or goes in front of the board, and in this episode, you're writing for so many different characters. In the uh, the boardroom alone, you you just introduced four. You got uh, Sue... Uh, Daryl, uh, Ron, and George. How did you guys come up with some of these names? Because I feel like some of them are, you know, like S- Sue is probably Susan from the first Credit Kid. Daryl Vidal, um, Ron Thomas, maybe. I wish there was that much thought that went into it. <laughs> okay. um, but I think I just named them all after like parents of my friends. Okay. I think I was like, what, you know, what are what are some parent names? Okay. Uh, you know, adult, you know, Gr- 80s. Grown up people sounding. Tons of the names of our characters are very, you know, 80s, 90s. There's like, you know, even the kids that are essentially born in the early 2000s, they don't really have those uh, 
early 2000s names. Right. They're, they're very 80s and 90s-esque. So. They're like uh, Kyler and Rory. Yeah, there, there's a couple like Yasmin and right. Moon. Obviously, you know, we got a little advanced with those, but um, for the most part, names I feel like really resemble the era we're trying to memorialize. Uh, when it comes to mentions of, I mean, because you got, you ran the gamut, you wrote about, mentioned all three movies in this episode at various points. Um, you got the honor of dropping the first confirmed mention of Karate Kid 3, which is Amanda's uh, don't try to lure him into opening his own bonsai store. Right. Um, did How much research did they make you do before they like throw you, did they just tell you what happened? Did they make you watch the movie multiple times? <laughs> yeah, they were like, I had seen, you know, before I I took this job, I had seen Karate Kid, the Karate Kid. And I believe I had seen four, but okay. I don't think I had seen two and three. Interesting. So before starting the room, then I watched them all and got a better idea of what I was dealing with. And then I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? No. Um, Karate Kid 3 is just such a crazy, wild ride. That's why um, Hayden likes it. <laughs> Hayden loves it. He, I'm sure he has a playlist of all the clips from the movie, you know, like on his YouTube account. I'm certain. Well, there's just something about, you know, something that's obviously intended to be like this kind of cartoonish um, just a comedy that is also trying to present itself off as this beloved family classic. But at the same time, there's some really horrific psychological stuff going on in that movie. Mm. And it, it the, the whole thing is just like bizarre. It but, is super bizarre. And that so many bad choices made, you know, on Daniel LaRusso's mm. part and just, just, a, just a, yeah, a, a very weird departure from the original Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. Yes. But people love it. It was fun. It, it is. If you focus on how ridiculously uh, snidely whiplash Terry is, I think it makes it a lot more bearable. He's such a great villain, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. So I, so I learned, I learned enough, you know, just by watching. And then also, you know, the big three, as, as you call them, uh, no, they know those movies inside and out every detail. So just even sitting in the, in the writer's room and listening to them, I, I like, it's been a while since I watched it, but I, but I feel like it's, you know, was last night. Cause it's, it's always in our heads. We've these movies, mm. every detail of them. So, um, I did my homework. Yeah. Enough. Well, good. Yeah. We, we, we appreciate the, the people that do. Um, now in the in the boardroom, Daniel walks in, uh, you know, late. So that way, you know, Johnny comes in, and then you know the the reveal of Daniel. Now, were were there discussions of maybe placing Daniel in the room already as he walked in, or can you give insight uh, on that? Gosh, I think originally, I don't even know if Daniel was part of it in the original concept of of Johnny going to the board. I'm not even sure that we had had the idea to put Daniel there. Um, and I think that came, that came after, but um, yeah, we w- definitely wanted him to walk in 
uh, without having seen Daniel be there and then have Daniel walk in and pull the, the rug right out from under him. Mm-hmm. Um, just as he thought he was kind of making a little headway with these people. So uh, that was that was tactical for sure. Uh, I don't know how much of it you remember, but I have been trying for two years now to get the volume up high enough to hear it, and I cannot understand it. What is Daniel yelling as he walks down that hallway? Do you remember? After the vote? Yes, it's muffled behind the door, so you can't, you can hear that he's yelling and you can hear that he's mad, but you can't hear the words. Oh my gosh, I don't know. He says, so he says to him, uh, Congratulations, Johnny, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he says that after he bursts through. But before, he's like yelling all the way down the hallway as he's coming out of the room toward Johnny. Oh, that's funny. I, I, I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and if I hear it, I'll, I'll, I might be able to place it. I'll have to okay. Go. I wonder if it's something that Ralph was just kind of doing as well, you know, to kind of like, well, because uh, Daniel's coming out upset, so he's got to be saying something to like Ron and whoever voted against him. I would imagine. Right, right before that. He's, you know, this is bullshit, the horse shit. I think he says, <laughs> shit. No, that's funny. I didn't, I didn't notice that he's yelling before he walks out that door. I'll have to check that out. Okay. Uh, I think I had a a question about. I'm wrong, I'll, I'll have that answer for you. Thank you. Because I've, I've literally two years. Yeah, that's too long. <laughs> that's actually way too long to have wondered that. So I'm going to find <laughs> out for you. I'm mean, actually going to just email you privately and let you know. There you go. Okay, thank you. You can shoot me a text and I'll send it to Brianna. Um, now, it, we we spoke with uh, Kara Ann Marie as well, and she mentioned a cut line where um, while Johnny was. Uh, I'm forgetting the dialogue, but he kind of flirts with her and talks about like, hey, he would like to speak to her after the meeting too, which um, we found out was cut and we understand why. Uh, do you have any uh, insight into like writing that dialogue between the two of them, Sue and Johnny? I'm not sure if I remember writing specific flirtatious dialogue there, but I knew we, you know, as soon as uh, she says, you know, the community could use uh, more men like you. Um, we were like, Oh, it's on. Like <laughs> we could make this happen if we wanted to. Right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about specific dialogue that was cut, but, um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's heartbreaking when moments like that, you know, get end up on the editing room floor, but there's just so much gold you can fit in to a half hour television. So some things get lost, unfortunately. I get it, too, because there's Carmen, you know, so, you know, when he's, you know, kind of building up the hots for Carmen, here he is kind of like flirting with Sue. Like, I, so I, I get it. Yeah. Ba-ba-ba-boom. Carmen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Without getting into specifics um, and as to, you know, what it actually is, because I don't know if it's ever going to come up at some point in the future. But do you know why Johnny thought John Kreese was dead? Is that an action? Don't tell me anything <laughs> about it other than is this a plot point that is written down somewhere? It's it's definitely been discussed and and exists on paper somewhere. I'm trying okay. to... I'm, <laughs> I'm like, am I going to get, I'm like, can't even look at the. I'm if like, you're worried about going any further than that, don't. The only reason yeah. I ask is because it came up on a, the Facebook group. Oh, um, it's, it's one of my questions. It's, 
Yeah, and it's it's is been floating around for a while. You know, did he hear it through Karate Kid Part Three? Did he hear it inadvertently through Daniel? Was it a second, you know, yeah. event, something like that? I think the way I remember it right now is that it was because it's layered into Karate Kid from Lot Karate Kid Three. So. Okay, it did filter down to him. Yeah, and it just never came down that I see. I told you that, didn't I, Peter? Mm-hmm. I think I did. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I could be wrong. It's <laughs> happened once before. So, so, I mean, you guys talk about so many um, different ways of telling the story, and I'm sure ideas have been floating around, and then things get changed last minute. We've heard all the stories, and we hear how many uh, how many times that something was inserted last minute, both from the writers and and the actors themselves. So, um, at I think that's almost uh, all I have uh, with with the committee. Um, oh, actually, no. Here we go. I skipped over this one. Now, George at one point talks about how the red mats and the white fist has been like uh-huh. you know the look for over thirty years, and we know that in season one, the All Valley Tournament, right there, that's that's the fiftieth anniversary. Have you guys talked about like what if any were there any other colors prior to the red and white? Prior to the red and white, thirty years ago. Mm, over thirty years ago. I I don't know if we've ever discussed that. Okay, I was just wondering because, like, uh, again, like I feel like fifty years, so they must have been something before the, before that. Right? Yeah, I would imagine the um, you know, the inaugural year. It must have been a, a certain color, just because, like, I often say that uh, I I just I love the writing on on the show, and um, I just feel that everything you guys say is so deliberate. So when George yeah. says that, well, it, it's been red and white, you know, for over 30 years, I'm wondering, was it any other color before that? So it just sounds like it's just me going way too deep into it. No, I like I like what, that you go deep. Um, I And we are very deliberate in a lot of the things we say. Um, and I will tell you that the color of the mats is such a major discussion in the writer's room always so much so that it, it it's we've discussed the color of these damn masks more than we have discussed like amanda's backstory like we <laughs> talking matt than any other character in this show thank you No, I don't feel so bad for the fact that, you know, the fandom pretty well at large takes every opportunity we can to talk about, you know, blue mats. Every chance we get. So. What do you think of the blue mats? That was a good choice or. Oh, but I I changed daily. (laughs) I I, I'm I'm partial to the red and white uh, because I, I, in my opinion, and I I think I mentioned this recently somewhere um, on on, on the pod, but uh, I, I think that white and red complement each other a little bit better than the gold and the blue. The gold and the blue look great. Like I maybe I have to see like a Power Ranger with like gold and blue and you know maybe make a decision, but I don't love the gold fist, but that's just my opinion and I have said some things that people don't like too, so. <laughs> well, I think it's good to let your opinion out. I think for me, for my money, red and white kind of resemble the karate world better. Okay. Than a- Blue and gold kind of like it's it's almost like this could be a basketball game. Okay. So I think I'm, I went with blue and gold just because the red and white made me think of an Adidas logo. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought it was for 35 years. So it could all I, change again one day. So 
You never know. It could be black and yellow. Who knows? Put in, put in your votes. Yeah. What color do you want the mats to be? There you go. <laughs> if, if we get a return of the all valley, right? A poll for the mat color. A poll for um, Eli's mohawk color. Um, <laughs> when it came to writing the date. Was it easier or harder to write it knowing that you were doing pretty well a carbon copy shot for shot of the first movie? Um, well, so at that point, then I, I I put the movie aside and I didn't go back to look at it because I didn't want it to be, you know, the, an exact replica. Knowing that just by putting them in that place and, um, you know the tone of it all was going to be, was going to resemble it enough. So I, so I didn't look back at the movie and I just tried to uh, forge ahead all the fun things. I grew up on, you know, mini golf courses as well. So I, you know, all the fun things that you would do at a mini golf course on a, on a first date. And uh, I, you know, I had tons of fun writing the date. I let my nine-year-old watch recently. And I said, does that look like a fun first date? And she was like, that was like the best first date. So Sam says that. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was really cute. And they just, they did so well with, you know, their chemistry is so good. And um, the, the guys had actually already written one of the scenes for the date. And as I was writing, they sent me their scene and they're like, you know, we don't want to step on your toes, but if you could work our scene into the first date, we'd really appreciate it. So that, the um, conversation about the Lakers um, dirt while they're shooting uh, Papa shot is, was uh, the guy's con- contribution to that scene too. What was that? Oh, that's, I said, that's got one of my, my favorite exchanges between Sam and Miguel in it, where she is getting very um, entitled yes. for a second. And he just, he turns it around and cracks a joke yeah. that pulls her right back down. Yeah. It's, 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 it's super cute how he, how he just owns it right there. Right. He calls her out as entitled without making her feel like he just called her out. And it turns into this really cute exchange between them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So. I really do like that moment. Um, matter of fact, when Shola was on, he talks about uh, filming that scene and he uh, kind of imitated the crew and made kissy noises. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite funny. But Sensei Sam, do you remember who came up with that line? Uh. You know what? That might have been Michael. Oh, really? I'm going to be shocked that I gave him credit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he came up with Salsa Sensei. I remember I wanted, I really wanted Sam to make the first move. I didn't want Miguel to make the move. And uh, I, I actually kind of tried to fight against them doing any sort of, you know, flirtatious karate. I wasn't into that. Uh, and then... You know, as as I was writing, um, it kept being pitched more and more. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. So they did their flirtatious karate. And I think Michael said uh, she should say Sensei Sam. I like that. No, this is like 8,000 years ago at this point. Right, right. Don't get right. too excited, Michael. <laughs> He's watching like the presidential debate. He probably is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, all the way up to the end and, um, another fan favorite scene and exchange between Johnny and Miguel is the, who's the man, uh, the scene man. going on there. Was that one yours or I, it was, I 
couldn't figure out how to, you know, they both had such a successful evening and then they were coming back together. And I was like, how do like, how would two men like sort of celebrate this? And I was like, they probably like call each other the man a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's how they get into that uh, little celebratory drink. And I didn't I did not um, condone Johnny giving him the whiskey. That was like, I think that was the big three as well. So take it up with them. Well, there's a Miyagi gave it to Daniel in the, in the yep. first movie. So I, I totally right. understand And that. you know, hair on hair on the balls is something women just can't relate to or write about, you know, I, 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 like, I don't know. We're finding out that, <laughs> that Stacy here is really one of the guys. <laughs> Again, I'm a, I'm a bro. I wrote the hair on the balls line, and I'm sure <laughs> Hayden loved it, and it stuck. So of course he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before Miguel walked into the dojo, there's a moment where he uh, walks his bike up to a pole and and locks it. Was that? Do you have any idea if that was like a conscious decision to kind of parallel Daniel locking up his bike on his first day of school? Oh, you know what? I have no idea, but it must have been. It was like you know. I think all those details are when the, when the guys are out there directing these episodes, um, really, really taking the time to notice the details like that. Right. I uh, think Steve Pink uh, directed that one. Yeah. Steve Pink directed that one. Um, but they're, you know, big three are always around. Right. I, I had asked Michael if there was an actual written show Bible and he said he thinks it's pretty well all in their heads. Yeah, that they, they just have all this information up there. Yeah, between the three brains, they can store it all. I think if it was just one of them, I wouldn't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, moving ahead to fire and ice, yep. um, I am anyway. Yes. Um, okay, <laughs> um, this episode, I think one of the things that I like the most about it is the ice, the callback, major callback to Karate Kid Part 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that tying into the title and everything else, was that something that you knew going in? Did they tell you, hey, we need ice blocks in this episode? Um, no. I mean, well, as we broke the story and we, we you know, is that called Summerfest? Is that what? Um, Valley, Fest. Valley Fest, yeah. Valley Fest, yeah. Um we knew there was going to be this big showdown at Valley Fest and that it was going to come down to, you know, Daniel and Johnny both, you know, trying to, you know, big swinging dick competition. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think once we, I think we decided Daniel first should, should break through the ice like he does in Karate Kid 2. And then, you know, Johnny's reaction to that is, well, how about fire, right? So he tried, so he does it with the fire. Um, and I don't think Daniel doesn't actually break the ice, right? No. It no. It melts. It's just away. Yeah. Even sadder. But yeah, that was another question I was going to ask was, was there ever a plan for him to break it or was it subverted yeah. from the word go? Yeah, it was going to be the, it was going to be like the grand finale of their show, but then their show uh, ended up getting interrupted by the Cobra Kai game. So I think he was supposed to break the ice at at some point uh, before they entered, but uh, 
it just became such a it it's so much more powerful that he doesn't even get to. Yes. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite you know tropes yeah. that they subverted. It was so perfectly done. We got to get him to break some ice one day. We do. I I co-signed that wholeheartedly. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to see that. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Becca Canyon and the uh, and crew for making those ice blocks. They they're they look amazing. Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give insight on the restaurant scene between Johnny and Miguel? Yes, where they're uh, talking about Rob. Robbie. Yep, uh, Robbie being born. Yeah, I cried like a baby writing that scene. Wow. Um, and it's and it's you know it's another it's a shame it's one of those other scenes that gets it gets chopped up and cut down and wow you know it was it was much longer at what at one point I write very long so <laughs> that's that's on me but um I yeah I cried writing that scene it was very uh, powerful I think to see Johnny for you know one of very few times really feel these big emotions that he shares and like his vulnerability. So um, I forget the question you asked me about. Oh, it. just to give insight on, yeah, writing that dialogue um, oh. because it's, it's so beautifully written. Uh, and I'm not saying that because we're speaking with you, but just Billy knocks that scene out of the park. He's incredible. Yeah. And I, I recently rewatched that too. And I, I still get tears in my eyes, like yeah. watching this. Like he's 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 so incredible, always. But in that scene specifically, when he shows that vulnerable side, it just it gets me. Yeah, you know? because it could have been filmed and written that Johnny just tells him the story straight up. But the fact that Miguel's like, no, look, you you don't have to. He's like, no, but I want to. You know that insistence that that right there, I think is is um. Know how important Miguel is. To yeah, him. exactly. Um. I have to mention it just because it bookends bringing it up in the All Valley. You get to mention Crease faking his death again um, when Daniel says that he's done it twice, <laughs> apparently. And this is something else that ties into the debate of whether or not Johnny actually knew he was dead. Did he do it again? You know, the whole thing that's contributes to it. So yeah. um, the whole scene between Daniel and Amanda has always made me think because of the way um, Amanda does not react to that story like a woman would if she knew she were talking about someone who had tortured her husband when he was a child. So is there, because I've always believed that Amanda does not know all of what happened with Crease and Terry. Was there any discussion of that or? So I, a lot of the time, I feel like I'm like the Amanda of the writer's room. I've wondered like, that. So I, I'm like, are you, you guys are insane. Let's bring it back down to reality. We're talking about karate. Like I, like I'm constantly uh, the voice of Amanda in the, in the writer's room. So when, when there are uh, scenes where Daniel reveals to her a little more of, you know, of his past, of you know everything he's gone through in the in the uh in the movies um i think she it's kind of like okay i believe you i hear you but it's just too it's just too it's too insane like you're you're it's it's too much to believe it's like you didn't 
fight to the death in Okinawa. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you're you're my dorky car salesman husband. Like that didn't happen. So she she believes him, but it's like, come on, like you know, he's an exaggerator. Right. The stories are still too tall. They all are. Yeah. Um, that's my opinion. That's how I feel like I would react to my husband's karate rivalry that's lasted 35 years. And uh, so I, I try to uh, inject that into Amanda's character whenever given the opportunity. Right. Um, Fire and Ice opens up with one of the most comedic sequences in both seasons, Johnny discovering the internet. How fun was it to write that scene and... Can you talk about like all the different other ideas that were thrown in for things that Johnny would discover? Yes. I I even forget what we landed on. Is it like the dinosaurs? Dinosaurs, well, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> My God. When Built the pyramid. There was like a list of a hundred things there must have been that that he could possibly discover when he discovers the internet. Um, you know, but every even the details down to like not being not realizing he had to plug the computer in because it's wireless what are you talking about why it's why why would i have to plug that in like every single detail about him learning to use a computer for the first time and get on the internet uh was it was like again it was like the discussion of the maps it was like we 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 probably spent two weeks discussing (laughs) johnny discovering the internet Whereas we have never really discussed where Amanda came from or (laughs) (laughs) how they, like how she met Dan. Like there's been so many nonsense discussions, but uh, that was a lot of fun. And Hayden really took the reins a lot on, on that too. Uh, It's almost like he was discovering the internet for the first time as we were uh, discussing how Johnny would, what would spark his interest. And I think, is there wet t-shirt contests? Uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, Hot babes, uh, blood sport, iron Eagle. Yep. 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 And that was um, the karate kid 18 hosting the um, videos on YouTube is on the screen. Yep. Uh, That'd be, that would actually be really fun notes to go back and look at um, my notes in that outline. Oh, Maybe I can. I'll, I'll I'll dig those up for next time too. That'd be fun. Yes, that'd be great. Uh, there's a lot of conversation in, or not conversation really. It's just Raymond talking um, about the Ninja Turtles <laughs> and how he knows the you know the the bow staff that Daniel has because that's Donatello's favorite weapon. Um, who came up with the idea? I guess it's kind of obvious though, isn't it, that Raymond would be a Ninja Turtles fan? Um. Gosh, is that Michael again? <laughs> I feel like that's Michael. Well, I, Michael, Luan, and Joe, they always talk about like nerd shit, you know, so it, yeah. it's probably one of them. Yep. We have this, you know, ongoing jokes uh, always about, you know, the amount of nerd shit I have to sit through in that room. <laughs> um, actually, funny enough, I did punch-ups on the, on the Ninja Turtles movie. I think the last, the last one to come out. So, oh, wow. and 
happening uh, while uh, that room was going on. So they, I don't even think they know that, but they were pitching Ninja Turtle stuff, and I was just like, Ninja Turtles, can't escape it. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a Ninja Turtles fan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, also in Fire and Ice, we uh, see an appearance of Lynn. Um, can you talk about like when, like how do you guys decide when Lynn will show up? I mean, I, I'd imagine it's like, well, you guys are looking at the um, the times that Johnny actually has to leave the dojo. But can you talk about like, is there one specific person that's the voice of Lynn? Uh, how do you guys uh, come up with her lines and all these quotes? You know, time it ends up being, you know, the, you know, we really want her to be a presence in this world. So, you know. And, but she's obviously not part of any real storyline ever. Mm -hmm. So it'd be like, where can we fit Lynn in? We have to fit a Lynn scene. Where can she, you know, where can we squeeze this into um, any certain episode or any season? And uh, we always find a place. There's always a couple spots for her. And uh, then it just becomes, you know, picking and choosing the best of the best uh, Lynn stuff. I would love to see the notes on those, on those lines. Like, I mean, obviously we love the, you know, you can take me home, baby. Like, I, I, I love that line. Um, I obviously, I think the, I, I think I can speak for the fandom that we would love a Lynn spinoff and just her sassiness <laughs> and her just hitting on everybody walking by. Um, I'm still waiting to see if Lynn will ever hit on Daniel at some point. So we'll see. I can only cross my fingers. <laughs> well, we don't know where she is when he shows up. She tends not to be out front around those times for whatever reason. Yeah, I, yeah, she's always she's she's missing when she needs to be, and there when she needs to be. Um, I think it's probably too soon for me to start talking about the Lynn spinoff. I don't think I'm allowed to. Talk. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they haven't announced that one yet. Um, so when it comes to like details in the script that that may or may not be relevant to anything that comes later. Um, who is there any significance to February 4th of 2002 or just February 4th in general? February 4th is my brother Robbie's birthday. Robbie. Ah. Your brother's name is Robbie. Yeah. Is his middle so, name Swayze? <laughs> no. No, okay. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forget that his middle name is Swayze. <laughs> so dumb. We're so dumb sometimes. Oh, who came up with that then? I don't even remember because that was that was all in, right? Yeah, that was that was mm -hmm. all in. Who who wrote all in? What what was it? The uh, big three, two hundred five. That's I think that was uh, John and Hayden, right? Yeah, okay, all three of them. Because yeah, because Josh directed it. Yeah, um, that's too funny, Sweezy. Um Yeah, no, February fourth, and um, was it was I just picked it because I was writing that scene, and I was like, oh my, so you know. Maybe one day my brother will actually watch this. Aw. That was a dig at him. Now that he's on, now it's on Netflix. Now he's watching. No excuse left, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was just a little nod to, to my brother, Robbie. Um, so who put in the research to find out that in 2002 it was a Monday? Was that you or someone on staff that has the job to look up this stuff? Um, I, that was, must have been someone on, on set. Kudos to them. Yeah, because I actually went back and looked it up because I was like, what if that wasn't a Monday? And oh, my gosh, it actually yeah. was. So 
I, I feel like in movies and, and TV, when they reference a specific date, I, f- I feel people probably looked that up just to be sure. Yeah. I'm sure like in the 80s, no, nobody cared, obviously. But, you know, I think as writing got better over the years, uh, it, definitely in the last 15 or so, I think. Yeah, now, now that you can, you know, Google a date, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's an app, too. If you pull, uh, if you input the, the date, it'll give you like the day or something. Um I I have uh you know as we get ready to wrap up I I pretty much have like one more scene I like to get some insight on is um Johnny's commercial uh as an answer to uh Daniel's uh just like some of the things he says and and um and that sequence too because everything's a shot and jab at Miyagi Do clearly yeah that was, that was one of the most fun uh sequences to write for sure he's he's just so ludicrous and the and it's like no filter and anything goes and uh yeah it was just we wanted i just i knew we wanted it to be a drastic departure from daniel's very calm centered you know join us we don't charge anything <laughs> like <laughs> all these things that would just piss johnny right off right yeah so uh him getting fired up and, you know, even down to the detail of having Aisha uh, film it on her iPhone uh, was, we just want every single detail to be the exact opposite of how Daniel shot his commercial. Right. Like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it got cut, but um, Amanda at one point says you blew our, you know, second quarter budget on, on a. Oh yeah. Yeah. On, yeah, on advertising for his karate gym. That's still in yeah. there. Yeah. 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 So he like spent, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on his commercial and Johnny shot his in 10 minutes within the dojo with his students. So, you know, all the all the uh, differences in the way they would have done it and things they would have said every, you know, everything was really fun to write and think about. And send That's it. um yeah, as I say, that probably the three uh, lines, you know, most known from this episode are good old American karate, which just kills me, um, hash brown and send it to the Internet. Hash brown we use on the daily, constantly, 24-7 on Twitter. Matt Lewis so, is a fan of it as well. Yep. Good, good, good. good. Hash brown. I send it hash to the Internet. Hat. I mean, they're both they're both gifts at this point. So uh, we see them <laughs> almost every day. So yeah. insight on that? Did uh, your... <laughs> Send it to the internet. It's my favorite line written. Yeah. One of my favorite things I've done. So. And hash brown. And hash brown. And hash brown. Okay. Now, uh, I, I said this to Michael as well. Instagram. I can totally see Johnny on Instagram. That's free. <laughs> That's free. I don't have to get a credit. He's pitching that, he's pitching that to every writer um, that we've had on. Yes. I'm writing it down right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> He, I mean, there's so much more for him to discover uh, social media wise. So, right. I mean, he's barely scratched the surface with Facebook. So, yeah. And they're trying to convince us that he's the one taking over the official Twitter once a week. Uh huh. I believe that Johnny knows how to hack Twitter. You know, what's so funny is um, I'm I, I started Shit's Creek like a few months ago and I'm still getting through it. And I'm on season three right now. Uh, one of the episodes last night I watched. Gosh, what's Eugene Levy's name? Is it is it John? John Rose? Johnny Rose? Anyway. I don't know. I don't watch it. No, oh, you should. 
It's great. I know. Okay. Well, anyway, there's there's a point where um, he's like making like advertisements for their hotel or motel, and his son tells him like, oh yeah. It t tells them about Twitter and stuff like that, and I think like the end product said, "Oh yeah, you can also reach us on Twitter or something." Twitter. So <laughs> it's kind of in line there with uh, Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. yeah, I can see him saying, yeah, "Johnny Lawrence." Twitter. Yeah, I just got a notification on my Twitter. And the thunderstruck line, um, I have to, I have to shout out as a sports parent. Um, thunderstruck is played in every um, parade of champions and in every individual sporting event ever. Right. So. Amazing. Thank you so much for name dropping that. <laughs> that that was the big three. They that that was the that was definitely the song it, and uh, the you know just even just the oh well, I don't you know you don't have the rights to put that on commercial. <laughs> He's just I got it in my car. Yeah. <laughs> the cassette's in the car. That, yeah, that cassette <laughs> in his car. Like it was that was a fun thing. Oh sure. yeah, I mean, because we saw in the previous episode two hundred two back in black, we saw that he installed, you know, a new cassette deck. Yeah, <laughs> because he doesn't want to upgrade to CDs. Yeah. I guess I mean yeah. his CDs are all in his apartment too. So anyway, yeah, and Bluetooth would just really blow his mind. Oh so. my gosh! I mean, just the two words together is probably going to really confuse him. <laughs> it's a, a blue. He really would be talking to his watch, trying to start his car. Yeah, I mean, either he'll have to like Google it on his Sony Ericsson or call Lyle again and figure out how to work a Bluetooth. <laughs> uh, we did have one very good question in the chat. Um, how and when did the dojo get Wi-Fi if Johnny had no idea what Wi-Fi was? We hmm. think he's stealing it from uh, one of the other storefronts there in that, in that strip mall. Maybe oh. they... Maybe he's stealing it from Vape City. They they definitely have a Wi-Fi signal. I I would guess so too. But his password is Strike First. Oh yeah, he does put in his own password. I wasn't gonna I was, question yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he. I guess he loved it. It, it. it it came with the lease. Armand just gave it to him out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, uh, Stacey, I, I, I'm, I've exhausted all my questions. I, I know I said we were wrapping up. Did, did you want to maybe just take a few more minutes to answer some questions from the chat room? Sure. Yeah? Okay. Brianna? Okay. Let me scroll back up here, see what we got. Um, we'll, we'll take, like, three questions. How about that? And we'll call it good. Yeah. Okay. And I, I went all the way back up. It's a lot of compliments. Uh Carrie saying that 107 is in her top five of both seasons. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean it's it's very it's very Johnny centric, you know, and and it, we see him changing right before our eyes in both in both of your episodes, you know. So so thank you. I mean, a lot of great laugh out loud moments for sure. Thank you so much. I am still there. Was there was a question that I would love to ask you, but it's a spoiler, so <laughs> so I'm gonna. So after we end the feed, <laughs> right? Uh, well, it's it's kind of it's wishful thinking, um, and it's Elena that that asked actually, um, asking about Cobra Kai exploring Daniel's trauma more from the Karate Kid Part Three. I, I'm not looking for an answer on that one. That's just kind of wishful thinking. Mm. That's something that the fandom in general loves when we see it dealt with in any way whatsoever. And you got to deal with it in both episodes you wrote. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I, I think it's, I, I think it's a great idea too. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be interested in, in that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think anybody can go through all that before their 17th birthday and still be sane when they're 49. <laughs> Agreed. And I don't think Amanda would buy it either. Right. Um, While she's looking, Stacey, um, are, did you write in season three? You can say, well, we we know. You don't have to say, you don't have to say what or give any details. Just don't the yes or no question. Are you still writing for the show? (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Um, Looking forward uh, to that because um, when we. Lots more fun is, is to be had for sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. um, Because we, we know that uh, Michael's written too. Uh, We found out when we met him in Atlanta and, Mm -hmm. um, he yeah he brought it up again when we interviewed him. He's doing three hundred four and three hundred nine. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember if Joe and Lawan. I don't know if we, if we asked them. Uh, I think we only asked Michael because we knew for sure. I I I think I wrote three hundred three. Oh wow. Okay, so so you got the three again, the third episode again. Yeah, nice. I'm trying. I if I remember correctly, that's uh, your uh, brain. Like, say your 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 talk about Amanda and her perspective led to quite a bit of conversation in the chat back and forth about people wishing she would take Daniel a bit more seriously, which I fall that way myself too. But then the hill he got pushed down became a cliff, so she doesn't exactly not have grounds to believe that her husband exaggerates <laughs> a little bit sometimes. Exactly. He definitely is guilty of exaggerating. And I think it probably, you know, not just in his tales of karate, you know, in, in many other, uh, aspects of life. So, you know, I think she, she knows when to take something worth a grain of salt and she knows when to really believe it. Um, but I think, uh, everyone will be, I think everyone will be pleased with season three, Amanda and, and support she shows her exaggerating husband. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Kaz is um, suggesting what's up for WhatsApp. He's pitching that one to you too, to go along <laughs> with instant gram. Yeah. Okay. Write it down. Amy says that Miguel changed vape city's password. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's how that, uh, that happened. I like that. That's so now, right? That's like, Yep, that's it. And then Kaz asked, I don't know if this is uh, an answerable one or not, um, how about a backstory on Daniel's father um, mm. to contrast Johnny's stepdad? And you don't have to answer that at all. Right. If, yeah. yeah. Because we did, get, <laughs> we did get a little bit. We did get uh-huh. a little bit in season two about, you know, his dad got sick before he died, so it wasn't a sudden right. death. It was, you know, right. little so- bits dribbling in learned a little bit more in season two and I think uh you'll probably learn a tiny bit more in season three so you know slowly but surely all secrets shall be revealed right I mean it, for those that do remember credit kid part two when uh Daniel and Mr. Miyagi share that very emotional moment it, it was all Daniel talking that's when we find out you know some more about his dad so I I think that makes sense if we um, understand that the character of Daniel does return to Okinawa, that probably talking about his family history is going to come up again as well. Um, we've 
we continue to hear more about Johnny's. So I'm sure we'll hear. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just watching your reaction to what I'm saying. So. <laughs> stop uh-huh. it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't trap me here. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop right there. Um, okay. Brianna, do you have anything else? Um, no, I don't. Other than thank you for the two episodes yes. that you did right there. There, there's some, you know, among my favorites and, um, that last scene of fire and ice, I'm still not over it. I say that every time we talk right. about it, there, yeah. the ice dripping off that table was the first time I cried watching season two. Aww. Blue balls. And you guys give it us blue didn't balls. get much better. <laughs> since since we're doing bro talk. I'm glad we're, uh, we're having an effect out there on people. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, gosh. The diner diner made the whole fandom collectively ball. So, yeah. 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 Uh, I I, I would say I'm sorry, but I'm not. It makes me. Exactly. You're doing your job. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. After speaking with you, I just watched both episodes last night. I'm going to rewatch them again now with some like some of this new insight and just kind of, you know, it's always nice to kind of hear you guys like, um, you know, just verbalize like all, all the, the the process and and like the other uh, ideas that you guys had for the dialogue and things like that, and just kind of rewatch it with some new insight. Well, I will say I've I've been a, I've been a part of, of several writers' rooms now, and this one is far and above the best one to be a part of, and the most fun, and we're doing the most creative work and the most satisfyingly. Uh, hysterical yet grounded and, and dramatic so it's like it's a pleasure uh writing all this stuff and it's exciting to see this response from everyone yeah well i mean and, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us and share your experience uh in the writing room and finding out that you're just one of the guys uh, to take a you know billy zapka movie oh, yeah. um but is now I I do know that we um kind of you know brought up the 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 Diddy uh project but is there something that you you can promote that you're working on that's coming out soon or anything like that? Nothing nothing too soon. I'll keep you guys posted though. I okay. have a I have a movie they're they're searching for a director currently and Business Trip. Uh, business Trip is always on the back burner just ready to roll when when as soon as uh judd apatow is ready uh we'll be ready to roll on that one and so i've got a lot of things you know on the burners but nothing quite ready for human consumption yet so okay i'll keep you posted okay is there any uh social media that you um don't mind handing out for people to follow you yeah i what's my what's my instagram (laughs) is it the stacy Harmon? Is that right? I don't know. Um, let me see. It is the Stacy Harmon. S T A C E Y H A R M A N. There we are. So we'll obviously tag you as well. Uh, Brianna, anything else you want to promote? Um, Got some things coming? Uh, coming up this weekend, I'm going to be recording. I don't know when it's going to be released. Um, was approached by a forensic psychologist. Yes. A- and asked to come on his um, psychology podcast to dig into the characters on Cobra Kai. I think 10, 10 characters? Uh, I think so. I, I, yeah. And we're Was recording it, um... that this Sunday. Um, and I'm like beside myself. This is going to be so That's cool. So cool. 
I, I believe that's a unpopular culture, right? Yes, unpopular okay. culture UPC podcast on Instagram, um, and I'm I'm really really looking forward to it. Um, so, other than that, um, I don't have anything at the moment. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, appearances, I uh, made a return to the Karate Kid Minute podcast. Uh, that's gonna be I don't know when that's coming out, but that's that's something. Um, I think that's it. I, I guess uh, for the for our group, we have something cooking. Uh, the mods and Brianna and I, and uh, we we have something that we are working on that we're gonna probably announce pretty soon that the fans are gonna be able to kind of engage in again. It's not the All Valley trivia, though. We are talking about uh, bringing a, a season two back, but we have something else that I think the fans are really gonna like. Um, so. Follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter, uh, for the latest details. Everyone should check out your kick that you did today. Oh, yes, God. Mr. Secret Ninja over here. Uh, I, I mean, you should be a stuntman. You know, uh, so I don't Hito. know if you saw. Yep. Yeah, did you see my uh, my exchange with Hito? No, I, I didn't. Okay. So he said my kick was was good, but uh, he he didn't he didn't like my punch so, so well. So I I, I we got to work on the punch, is what he said. He's very but uh, okay. I, I would I would be happy. Um, I think my rite of passage was taking a picture with them holding the stunt hat. You know, I, I think a lot of people do that. So I don't know who who knows. I obviously I, w- I would love it. Um, no experience. So if that actually you know what if that's the deal breaker, I have all the experiences of being a stunt man. Um, <laughs> I, but yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah. I can't thank even, you. Even like take my shoes off right now to hit someone with a shoe. So I, I was like, that was an amazing kick. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Carrie summoned Owen uh, a little while ago, and Owen said it was that your kick was great, and and Kaz said the same. Everybody's loving that secret ninja man. Uh, oh my god! Well, Who are I, you? I told I told Owen, you know, it's two seasons of studying Bert. You know that that's 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 where I got it from. Um, but yeah, for those that are kind of wondering what's going on, uh, John Hurwitz nominated me in the, uh, what is it? Fight the... Back Against Hunger? Yeah, the, the, I'm trying to think of the actual account. Um, Action Against Hunger, I, I think is is what it is. But anyway, it's something that the, the show also put out with um, some other uh, actors from other shows kind of doing like these sweet badass moves, as uh, Sensei Lords would probably say, and I obliged... On the clock and all, <laughs> right? And hunger again. Okay, there you go. So, um, yeah, it's action again. Yes, thank you, Hash Brown, and send that to the internet. Uh, so, yeah, check it out on my Instagram. Okay, <laughs> it's there, and also on my Twitter. So, I hope you guys uh, check that out. Uh, we also need to mention that we will be back here tomorrow afternoon. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, I got the tags right before we went live, but um, so tomorrow at uh, two o'clock Eastern, so that's eleven Pacific uh, in the states. Here, uh, Susan will be coming on our show live to um, announce the winner of her logo design. Yes, for the uh, Homeless Lynn Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So. Um, all right, Stacy, stand by, and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in live. And we will see some of you guys tomorrow. Bye, everybody.
Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.